Starfish like a motherfucker. Hey, so I don't know if I'm here with Steve and Dylan. I don't know if they know. I know. I don't know if you know. Yeah, we're starting, dude. I just go into it, man. I'm no, I'm no screwing around here. I just hit the button and we go. Um, I'm out at Raton Whittington Center. I'm here with Steve and Dylan, the Tactaholics guys. And they didn't realize yesterday was National UFO Day. It's the anniversary of Waswell, and that's just why I wasn't here yesterday. King of Two Mile down here started yesterday, but I was not in attendance because I was celebrating National UFO Day. What does celebrating mean? Freck showed up to King of Two Mile with the camera, so were you up chasing the unknown in the sky at night, or what? Oh, uh, there's, 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 a, there's a mix of things you can do. It's, <laughs> you know, you, you, can, you can get outside and watch the sky. Uh, you could do that. That's that's one good way of doing it, which is why I probably didn't drive down here uh, yesterday because I, I, I may or may not have been walking straight. You, you know, we, the fault, really. It, it really is the alien's fault. Uh, I have to agree. And they haven't put their implant back in my neck. Where did they put it? It's in there. There's, there, it's in my neck. They, yeah, they don't. I, I, I'm past the anal stuff. You know, they, they realized I liked it too much, and they're like, you know, so I'm past all that. But um, yeah, yeah. So we're we're here at the King of Two Miles now. Uh, Stephen Dylan, you guys have been here since yesterday, filming everybody. Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, it's Dylan. There we go. So. You guys have a unique perspective because you're you're not necessarily precision rifle long range guys. You're more media, and and you're here filming, and you're getting to see all this. So, from your perspective, what do you see from this type of format? Because you've been to other matches, haven't you? Been to like PRS type stuff. I have. You, I, you I, Dylan's been. I I have. So I have the long range background. Steve does not. So I know. I understand the science. I understand all the equipment. I know what everything's for and why it's needed. Um, Steve is more of the guy that he's the photographer. He's, okay. he's the guy that has he's the camera guy. The background knowledge and cameras. I have the background knowledge in what we're doing. Gotcha. With those cameras, so I I've been to PRS matches. I've been to ELR matches. I've been to you know F class matches, twenty two matches. I've been to everything. Um, so tell everybody listening what like the King of Two Mile how it differs. I mean, from a style standpoint, it's yeah. completely different style wise. But how does it differ from what you you've experienced right. in the past? So with with ELR, like I haven't been to as many ELR matches as I've been to everything else. But um, King of Two Mile is the pinnacle, and the reason it's the pinnacle is because it is unforgiving. Like there is. Because it, it, it's a knockout format, right, you they, screw up, and they've already set right. the top ten for tomorrow. Yeah, and there's a lot of big names not in it. Right. I mean, there's there's one shooter from maybe that that's going on to the finals, and that's just that hasn't been the case in the past two years. Right. They um, they've owned this match. Right. And and it's not a surprise that they do own this match. It's just like that's how unforgiving King of Two Miles. It doesn't it doesn't care how good you are or how good you talk talk that you are there is there are so many factors that come into play when you when you come to king of two mile that it, it is just so difficult to move on because one the competition 
there are great competitors here. Mm-hmm. And two, the the environment is very difficult. Yeah, I mean, yesterday, you look it, at the scores yesterday, hardly anybody hit anything. Yeah, well, right. it, it depended on what time. Right. You got there in the morning and the winds were three, Nothing. four, five miles an hour. And then by the afternoon, it was 16, 17, 18 miles an hour. And if you were one of those shooters, it was, I mean, you could... You could tell that the shooters in the morning definitely had an advantage. Advantage. And that Raton is notorious for that. After 10 o'clock here at Raton, the winds come up because the heat's coming up. Yep. And that heat boils up out here and that creates the wind flows. And now you got these canyons and cliffs and mountains and ridges, which creates the swirl of unpredictability. I mean, we were all together watching David Tubb shoot today. I filmed it, so I'll be able to put that out for you guys in... On that last shot that he had to make or break for his qualification, that wind took a 90 on him. Yep. It was it was quartering on him, quartering on him two, three miles an hour. Then all of a sudden, it just took a 90 when he shot. Yep. He missed off that left side. Yep. And you, you, it knocked out Qual, you're done. Yep. He's done. Guys who shot yesterday who didn't make it are done. Yeah. So crazy. you can invest in a metric ton of money here <laughs> yeah. and shoot your 10 shots yep. in three misses on a target you're done. Yep. So that's that's an interesting part of how this works, that you can invest all that time, all that energy, yep. you know, load development, rifle development, bullet development, and shoot three shots and be knocked out if you didn't hit anything. Yeah. Well, you're, you're guaranteed six shots, but there were guys yesterday that got the tail end of the wind and they shot their cold bore shot and then five shots at 15.50 didn't hit anything and we're yep. going home and they spent $100 uh, a one shot. One cold bore hit yesterday. Yep. There was a couple today, but not a lot. I think two. Only one person in the top 10 hit the cold bore, yep. according to the score. Right in the, the top 10 for tomorrow who got, gets to the finals, only one guy hit the cold bore. And the cold bore is at 16 and change. 1680, I think. 1680, yeah. whatever it is. So it's, it's, it's 100 yards short of a mile, I guess. One guy hit it. And... and but the thing is, they'll go on and hit three for three at 2,000. Right. You know, they'll miss the cold bore at 16 and hit three for three at 2,000. And I, before we came in and hit record on this stuff, we were talking about, like, the marksmanship aspect of guys. You know, $10,000 rifle, $3,000 scope, all the, you know, $9 a round ammo. And they have terrible fundamentals. Yep. Because the rifles, how they set them up, are just not very well set up for success in marksmanship wise right. so there's there's a lot of um that goes into elr but at the same time there's a lot that comes back out i mean speedy he shot a five inch group at a mile in practice for this yeah. mm-hmm. and i know that the ab guys are already asking him to build him a rifle yeah. you know is from what i understand of uh, that you know there's it's it's that's where the technology is going. Mm-hmm. And this is more a launch pad for me for technology yeah. than it is a pure marksmanship deal because the afternoon winds, the, the, the luck of the draw where you have to shoot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you guys here, what, what are some of the comments you hear when they come off the line? Are they just hanging their heads? And I mean, I've heard it too, but just coming from your perspective. I mean, I think that, you know, speaking to the technology aspect really quickly and the fundamentals, like, I think this is a great testing and proving grounds for that technology development. Uh, coming from the handgun world, I think it's interesting for me to see people have um, fundamentals that are 
have a high probability of being inconsistent from shot to shot. Yes. And I'm not a precision shooter by any stretch. I'm a, I'm a handgun and an AR-15 guy. Um, but that's that's what I notice as far as that. And it's really interesting to me, but it's also really interesting to see the success when, you know, we came out and worked with you in uh, April or whatever it was, and you had brand new shooters. Like one guy had never shot his rifle beyond 100 yards, and I think you had him on almost a mile, you know, in, yeah. in like two and a half days um, because you gave such a well planted foundation of this is what you need to do with your body behind the gun to get set up for success. So it's been really interesting to watch that, but I think that the King of Two Mile, based on all the everything you guys just talked about, is a really great proving grounds and um, research perspective for developing technology. As far as shooters coming off the line, it's a 50-50 toss-up. You know, you see the guys yeah. that come out and they get really frustrated because they have their families and their kids and their jobs at home they take time away from to spend a couple thousand dollars in travel and, and you know, entry fees and they're on the line for three and a half minutes, yeah. you know, and that's, that's, the, that, that's demoralizing. Right. It really is. I and mean, who wouldn't be frustrated by that? Especially because it, it's like crack, right? It's so yeah. close. They, these guys get so close and they need another shot. It's right. like, I'm just right there. I just need one more shot. Right. And, and, and trying to put somebody in that box to say, <laughs> you only have the six rounds. Yeah. When they're so close and they just want that one more, it's give me one more yeah. and they can't, they're done. Yep. Yeah. You yeah. know, so what do they do to, to kind of scratch that itch? Nothing. Right. They, and, and another, and a, like another aspect of that is like from, from my perspective and I'm, I have been a comp, a competitive shooter in, in both civilian side and military wise. So I come from, I come from a background of understanding competitive shooting at at a different level than than elr because elr is really technology based mm -hmm. like if you don't have the technology if you don't have a ten thousand dollar gun or something that's 40 pounds to hurl a bullet you know a mile you're not going to be competitive you can't do it with a six five creedmoor i come from the complete opposite if everyone is using the same same M16A4s, M4s, and we're shooting the same bullet at 600 yards and right. So everything is such a competitive mindset base. It's, it's not you're not looking at other people and trying to compete against them. You are literally trying to be the best version of yourself every shot. And I think you know with with me being a camera guy and being close to these guys and watching them compete you can see how the frustration and the time, like the time constraints on the shooting really change people's mindsets. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what I see is a lot of shooters are not ready to be competitors in that. Yeah, look at like Tom Manners, level. like he was rushing and did really well. He made it to the top 10. Tom was like on in the seconds down. He was firing his last shots to, yeah. to qualify. Mm -hmm. But then you had Robert with was shooting for Manners, Team Manners. Robert's a PRS guy. Mm -hmm. He stopped and had water in between his stage. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? He stopped to drink water because yep. it's hot and the whole thing. And so the PRS guy, and he's number one right now. Yep. But last year, Manners got skunked really bad. But yep. they came back, and I said to Tom, their equipment was different. It was set up right. It fit him. Yep. He looked good. And I have pictures. I'm going to post all this stuff up, and these guys are doing pictures. Uh, they'll be able to put them up and, and show them with their uh, their Tactaholics YouTube page and their website. But Tom looked ten times better. Mm -hmm. But they communicated better. Yep, right. Last year they had a guy with an MOA scope and the spotters telling them in mills oh, and boy. the thing and they had no <laughs> communication. 
This year, they were so smooth. They worked as a team. He had a really good group of guys, and they were on the same page. And that helped. I mean, the wind wasn't big and crazy today. It's just switchy. Yeah, right. And it's minor switchy, like four miles an hour. I mean, listening to David's guy that we recorded calling, you know, the miles per hour, three, three and a half. Four, three and a half, four, Every three, second it was... three and a half. And he's, all he's doing is rattling off numbers. Yep. And then David's reticle uses wind dots. Yep. And so he's just doing the pure miles per hour hold. Right. And so it's it's an interesting concept. Now, some of them, and it's funny because some of them struggle with the spotting side. And that's where Manners cleaned up. Yes. Manners made their spotting that much better. That's... But there were still mistakes. Remember, we were off to yep. the side. Yep. And a guy called the hit low, and the guy goes, no, it hit high. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was backwards. Well, what happens is it hits, that targets against that uh, that cliff. It hits high, but it blows crap out low. Yeah. Or it hits low and blows the crap out high. Yeah. So the dirt and the debris gets blown opposite of the plate, and an uneducated spotter sees it wrong. Yeah, right. And the, last year, that was a big problem Guys calling the corrections backwards. That's well. That's that's a huge part of what I saw is is you can you know if even if you have a competitive shooter, which there were a number of teams that had really good shooters, and you could you know like Mark Lonsdale today shot a five inch group on fifteen fifty, but he shot it on the crossbar of the target. Yeah. So he didn't hit the target. So you have great shooters out there, but you you come to this this impasse with ELR shooting that. It doesn't. There has to be a team, and that's that's why I think ELR is really dominated by AB. Is because you know we've had the the pleasure of being a part of you know kind of being brought into that team and really learning mm-hmm. about it and taking pictures and doing video for them. They not only do they practice everything that they do, you know, and support each other, and they all have incredible amounts of experience, but they. They go after the match and after the shooters have already shot, and they'll go have debrief. a team meeting and yep. debrief on, hey, this is what we saw. This is this they're is. cohesive, yeah, and mm-hmm. they, and that translates to their next team shooter. Yep, the mistake of the first guy is fixed in the second. The mistakes right. of the first and second are fixed in the third. Yep, and they're constantly refining that. And to me, that was like we we mentioned at lunch just some of the heat that AB gets because they have been so dominant here. Yep. And uh, we agree, and I agree, especially because I've been here for three years now watching, that they're just a better team. And I'm putting team in air quotes. And it's not that they have an unfair advantage. They're doing something the other guy's not. In a word, they're not cheating. But other people look at them who aren't here or hear stories and unfairly put this on them when all it comes down to is they're just better prepared. Right. They're better at working together. If you want to do this, if you want to do this successfully, aside from having the best equipment and building the right rifle, you've got to have guys who know what they're doing behind the glass. Exactly. That's that's I mean, a huge part of it. That that showed all day yesterday. You know, with with our pictures, there there were a number of teams that walked up to the line, got prepared, and throughout the the I don't know how long I think it's ten minutes, but the ten minutes time of shooting. You would see a rifle fall off the the, the board you know, yeah. that they were shooting. They were shooting off of. You would see missed 
spotting calls. You would see everything that that applied ballistics doesn't make mistakes on. Mm-hmm. You would see it in these in these brand new teams because you know that that's where that technology has really been. You know, in in has been the pinnacle. It's like everybody wants to have the technology, and everybody has the same technology as the AB. Yeah, it's AB all available. Just, I mean, really, the the, the 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 winning key is really the bullet, the cutting edge bullet that they're using here is yeah. is what brings is equalizes everybody. Yeah, and everybody has cutting edge bullets. Everybody has AB software. Everybody has Kestrels with AB software. It's mm-hmm. at, at the end of the day, the shooters that are winning are are simply because they have teams that are cohesively working together and able to adapt to, you know, the adversity of time and preparation. Like well, the, even I, I, when I came in this morning, the first person I saw was Brian Blitz. Yeah. Um, Blitz, so you guys you, listening, but first person I saw was Brian and I sat and talked to him. Hey, how you doing? And him and I were at the back of his car and we were talking and he said one of the things that kind of got them are those boards and the pea gravel. Yep. And that created an odd recoil with a weird vertical spread for them, where their SDs are single digit below five, all this stuff they're practicing and working on. And he said he they practiced in Texas on a manicured lawn, Mm -hmm. and then they came here and everybody uses those rubber boards and different boards to put under the bipod because Raton has the pea gravel and the lava rock. Well, that stuff gives way and creates a whole different recoil pulse for them with those big guns. That created an odd vertical spread that he said they weren't keyed into. Yeah. And it's that simple. Yeah. Something that silly is too much vertical spread. And that's a big thing with ELR. Yeah. Is over the target, miss the target. Because now when you listen to these guys, do they correct over that shot at one o'clock, three inches off the top of the plate? Right. They, or do they ignore it and, and send the next round? Because how many times have we seen Hey, you hit one o'clock over the top of the plate. Hold five o'clock. Yep. Then they miss low. Yep. You know, where does that anomaly fall in? And well, actually, Mitch Fitzpatrick was saying that at dinner last night. Yep. That um, I don't remember all the details, but they were out practicing or something like that. And he had a he had one shot that was high out of a five shot group. He's like, I'm not going to make adjustments to that shot. He's like, that was the erratic one of my group. I've had him before. You know, so in. I hear a lot of that on the line. It's kind of fun to be a camera guy because you're like a ghost. People right. don't really pay attention to you, and you hear everything, um, the frustrations and all that, everything. And uh, you hear a lot of people having communication with their wind callers, and you know, well, do I adjust or not? And like on the line in real time, it's like it, it's really, really challenging for these guys. Yeah, you and, know. And to to add to the complexity of like the vertical vertical spread, there's a number of targets out there that eat up bullets. And that's what everybody, I mean, yes. that, if, if there was one thing that was consistent across the board of listening to spotting calls and even listening to the people that were watching the TV, because um, all, all of the targets have uh, a camera on them and you can sit in the room and watch sit TV. There. There's like a, a, yeah. a tent. And I think, I think it was, AB was talking about the mile target, but there's, there's a number of different targets that have issues. The, the mile target has a, a yucca plant that's right above it and then like a, a little crevice that's right below it so if you hit above it the the soft tissue of the tree eats up the, mm-hmm. the splash of the round and if you hit below it it's funneled into the crevice and you can't see splash 
So if you have any vertical spread up and down and you're missing target high and low, which one is it? You 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 can't call a shot and you have to you have to make an adjustment. And none of the teams, including AB, you know, they that's why they were talking about it last night. It were had a plan for if they had a no call um, shot up or down. So and Paul was their last shooter right today. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's funny Paul qualified because the correcting those mistakes. Yep. And, and hopefully he's, he's at dinner now or eating with those guys, but I'm supposed to get together with Paul to do a podcast with everybody. But it's, it is so driven by what you see David uh, Tubbs' son-in-law has that thermal. Yep. And that's that kind of dividing line of equipment is yep. they'll use that $100,000 thermal unit they have. It's 80000 not yep. quite a hundred, And they'll use that to fine-tune whether or not that went high or low when they can't see. And so that becomes the case of what's the unfair advantage. The team that has a $80,000 piece yeah. of thermal that can say, because they're following the back of the bullet then. Yeah. You know, so it, it's, it's, it's really cool. It's, it's interesting to watch from the perspective. And you guys will have some great footage of yeah. everything. Because oh, yeah. you're doing both, right, film and still? Yeah. We are, yeah. We, I think in the last two days we have a combined almost 4,000 pictures yeah. to go through. Holy cow, yeah. And, and that's, uh, that's and not even including video. Probably a few hours of video, yeah. So it, it's going to take us some time. We're going to have some really good stuff coming out. Um, and I guess to speak to that end, like I said before, we're ghosts. You know, we hear everything. Um, we see every shooter come off the line. And, you know, talking to, uh, you know, the point of David, Tub David Tubbs, you know, thermal equipment mm -hmm. or AB's budget for X, Y, or Z or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, I've seen a lot of, people come down here and, and equipment only gets you so far. If we talk about fundamentals, well, communication is an essential fundamental of EOR shooting. Uh, I've seen a lot of people come down here and they get frustrated with the guys that have the big budgets. But um, when they walk off the line, they might be mad, but we'll walk by them and hear them later or they'll talk to us. And um, a lot of people are realizing that they might not have the budget to get that stuff. Everyone has access to all the same stuff, but not everybody has access, if you will. Right. But it, it's been a really cool experience for me to watch this, the smaller guys, the smaller teams that aren't, you know, backed by by. Well, and that's a Robert. Robert's number one right now and is laughing that he's running a Bushnell. Right. You know, he's running a $1,500 XRS. Yeah. Right. And on In his barrel is Tom Manor's barrel last year set back, <laughs> put into the chassis that they put together, and he's running a Bushnell PRS XRS. Yep. Gap two reticle that he got from George, yep. you know, and he's number one. Yep. They're not running heavy software. They're not running crazy stuff. Robert's a competitor. Robert's a good shooter. He's won PRS matches. Yep. And, you know, his equipment can hold, and they're doing a cutting edge 416, the 500 grain bullet um, from cutting edge. So they're in the mix. It's just knowing what's going on and making that hold and trusting in their data. I didn't see Manners running any software. Oh, I didn't. Even, I, mean, I don't even think I looked. No. Yeah, I, I didn't notice. No, but uh, I mean, hardly any of them. I mean, oh, there's a couple guys with the Garmin's who like the right. two AB guys, and yep. there's a few others running the Garmin's, but uh, the 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 Fortrex. But there's I didn't see Tom or any of them guys talking software. I didn't see him looking at software. Their wind was based off of what some of the other guys were doing. I did notice some guy saying, "I'm shooting that bullet." I want to see what he does. Mm -hmm. You know, the, and, and the wind calls weren't big. I mean, it wasn't like no. crazy. Even in, you know, the 2,000-yard the target and stuff, 
they were two tenths off the left edge. You know that kind of yeah. kind of call. It wasn't crazy. It's just switchy yeah. and switchy enough to miss the plate. Well, sure. You know that's the thing is that it's just off just enough and doesn't take much, man. With with that three second or more time of flight, yeah. you press that trigger and that wind changes when it's in the air. Yeah. There's nothing you can do about it. You've already let it go, yeah. so you can't follow. You can't say hang on, hang on, hang on because you got a time limit. Nope. Yep. And then you know you let it go, and then the wind changes like that. I said that I saw that I was actually taking a picture of the wind flag on David Tubbs spotter on that last shot because it was just dancing in the wind. And right when he was letting it go to press, it took a ninety turn. It was it was quartering, quartering, and then it went full value. Right when he let it go, and they were calling him miles per hour, but a quartering miles per hour. And then when it turned direction on him, he missed that last shot and didn't qualify. Yeah. That's all it takes. It's that quick and that easy. Yeah. Well, like you said, both of you guys, this is an unforgiving competition. Yeah. You know, and I think there's a lot of people that aren't prepared for that. And um, and I think that's part of the immediate reaction animosity against the guys who have put in the legwork to come practice in this area mm-hmm. or maybe have been here several years in a row and lost, you know. Um, but it's – there's a – this this place is not easy. It's not no. like anything I've ever seen before. The tone is tough. Yeah. yeah. And no. just the format of shooting one person at a time, no. kind of slow. It's not there. They don't move three people through like a PRS event, like right. an NRL event. Yep. They're they're it's it's. We shot what thirty people today? Was roughly. it roughly yeah. 30, 32 people today? It took them six hours. Thirty four yesterday. Yeah. yeah. And, and yesterday, people were saying that right away in the morning. I think it was yesterday. I know today, one of the AB guys, uh, Chris Polka, said it today. Um, he was the first shooter of the day, and he's like, "Dude, I'd rather go like third, yes. so I can watch the other guys because there was no wind at that point." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "We, that makes it tougher." So the the people right away, you know, are zero wind and then you get this little pocket of shooters who are dealing with maybe three to five mm-hmm. you know and then shoot man after the lunch you know about one o'clock yesterday it's like 20 miles an hour yeah i mean it changes really really quick yeah raton's notorious for that i shot several when i first started snipers hide we built like an f-class gun uh ghost dancer we called it it was a savage 260 this was in 2001 we came to raton we did it with a bunch of guys from the hide and we came out here and shot Spirit of America. Spirit of America, six days. Jeez. And the, the, this was before F-Class changed the X-Ring size and made yep. it a half minute. This was when it was still a one-minute X-Ring. Mm-hmm. They won by X count over six days, which means they didn't drop a single point in the crazy winds that are out here, uh, shooting aggregates all week. Jeez. And it's tough when you look at those conditions and having shot it like three years in a row we did it it's hard to shoot in the wind here and raton is is completely unforgiving which which is is great in a lot of ways but um what do you guys got going on next what's your kind of because you've been pretty busy jumping into the whole world what's any anything you want to tell anybody and kind of what we can tell people is we are in new mexico and it's a my watch tells me it's Tuesday. Um, that's kind of where we're at right now. Yeah. Um, we've been busy processing a lot of media. We've been on the road a lot from really about March since we were out with you guys in Colorado. Um, hit Ohio, had some stuff sent to us, kind of bounced around. Mm-hmm. And had a lot of stuff to produce. Next up is um, a possibility uh, of going to the Salt Flats in a couple of days to 
basically drive a car really fast. Oh, nice. Make a yeah, video Yeah, you're big it. into cars. I've I'm seen, big into cars, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yep, I like fast stuff. And um, somebody asked me if, if I was willing to videotape the, um, a vehicle going like 175, 180 miles an hour. Are they going to let you put a GoPro on like the wheel? I'm like, I don't know if it'll last, but... <laughs> well, <laughs> the magnet. I have a magnet mount that I've been using for um, the GoPros in machine shops. Because I do the CNC's, sure. and I got a magnet mount that has the, puts the GoPro, and I stick it up. So I wonder if that it's super strong. Like you got to pull it to the side to get it off. If I think it'll it'll last on a car, man. I mean, if it goes through, then then I'll be talking to you about yeah, that. Yeah, so, uh, I, can pick I it up just on got it on Amazon. Okay. Yeah, you know, magnet mount for a GoPro. It has the GoPro mount right on it. You just pop it in, and it's strong. It's a big ass strong magnet. But I've yeah. been putting it in CNC machines. Well, at the like Seekins when I went to, mm-hmm. uh, I put it in. I think at uh, AI up in New York, but it, it works really good, and and so that would be neat to kind of see <laughs> right at the back tire or something and have that GoPro right there. Yeah, I mean it's that was like one of those deals where the guy asked me, and I was shooting a project for him and an, and another um, organization that came together in the defensive firearms industry and. Um, he asked me if I would do it, and I was like, you know, man, this is like where I say yes, and we figure it out later. Um, so we'll see if that if that goes through. I'm waiting to hear back on that. Uh, but it's we, in, that's in Utah, right? This Salt, Salt Flats, yeah, in Utah. In Utah. And yeah. you can go up to Area 52 and go get some fucking alien footage. Area 52? Pro- no, 52 now. There's like 52. There's more aliens? 52's in Utah. Jesus. Really? Yeah. They moved from Internet. 51 to 52 to blow people off because everybody knew about 51. <laughs> well, sneaky so they moved, Well, there's a bunch of them. There's 51, 2, 3, 4. <laughs> 52 is in Utah in um, Dugway Proving Grounds. And that's not too far from where you're going to be. So there's there's a new base that you can go check out for alien shit. <laughs> we- if we get out there, I'll be sure to call you and remind me. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I'll, I'll give you directions, man. We can compare footage or video or, or pictures of if, the aliens. And, and especially if you can hook <laughs> up some night vision. I think I'm going to need a You'll see lens. a lot more with night vision than you will just kind of You'll see dark. more aliens or yes, the possibility of tech. seeing more aliens? Possibility more alien tech. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> Is it by invitation only, I'm guessing? No, you just can't get too close. Otherwise, you get arrested. Shot. So uh, you, you got I, I Honestly, I think like... They have the standoff for these yeah. places is like twenty six miles. Yeah. So the guys use the um, celestial uh, telescopes with yep. the cameras to them. Yep. That's the only way they can see what the hell because they get on a mountain twenty six miles away and try to look down in. Yeah. It's, yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. There's all kinds of stuff. You got uh, Dulce's in here in New Mexico. That's the base, the underground base. That's the cool one on the Indian uh, reservation. Okay. There's a base underground. And it's got tunnels that'll go to Area 52, Area 51. So you'll be, you guys will be into it, man. You can check it all out. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, we might come back next time you see one of our videos on YouTube. We might be wearing shirts that said "I saw an alien," or we might be wearing handcuffs. And... Did you guys hear my ghost story from uh, oh, from uh, Alaska? No, but no, I'm sure about you tell me. I'm gonna <laughs> tell you because yeah, these guys heard it already. Because I already told them. So this is no bullshit. So <laughs> the the Sheep Creek Lodge that we stay at. I got an audience here, guys, so you're going to have to indulge me for a minute again. <laughs> so the Sheep Creek Lodge, they say it's haunted. Now, I didn't know it was haunted before they told me. They may have told me once, but I didn't remember. So I got up like 5.30 in the morning. And if you picture the room is only like as big as this part of it. So where the light and the TV is in front of us here, this is as big as the room is. And right where that table is, is a vanity. So like you're in the bathroom here, yeah. it's just right there. Sure. And then 
where the TV would be is the bathroom. Good. So I have my sink, and on this side of the sink, I have my deodorant. And on this side, I had a black spray bottle, like a clone type of, you know, like almost, it's not Axe body spray, but we'll call it Axe body spray. Hey, you got it was some Axe. You got to have some Axe, because yeah. that'll spell you up. <laughs> yeah, so um, I wake up in the morning, and my bed's like right here where we are, but I'm facing this way, and the TV is right over like the vanity. So if you're looking in the mirror, you can just like put your hand like up to the uh, right, and that's the TV. Sure. So I'm watching TV, I put the news on first thing in the morning. Something catches my eye at the vanity and I look down at the vanity. As I look down, my deodorant goes like this and falls over and then the black spray bottle falls over as if somebody just kind of swept their hand across and knocked over my deodorant and then knocked over the black spray bottle. And then I went up and told the girls who owned the place and I'm like, hey man, my stuff fell over this morning. They're like, that was Norbert the ghost. They even have a name for him. Norbert? Norbert. Norbert. Which I don't get where they got that name. What's the story of where he came from? Did he die? Well, he built the lodge originally is what they're saying. And he usually pushes them at night when they're cleaning up. He moves stuff and he'll bang into them and push them when they're sweeping the floor. Like they say they physically felt him. Yes. One one of the kids told me when he he heard that I saw Norbert, it's kind of the word got around the lodge. And uh, he came up to me and he said one night he actually pulled a gun on Norbert because he was in there by himself cleaning up about one o'clock in the morning and he got shoved and it was so real that he thought somebody came in a side door and tried to take him out and he turned around <laughs> with his gun drawn and there was nothing there. Well, Norbert was there. Norbert was I mean, there. I don't know, but he wasn't there, man. I guess I would say like if the dude's still sticking around to manage or oversee his, his empire, hey, he's still there. tell him to be less invasive. Yeah, he's a little bit of a, you know, not pushy. a very good supervisor, a little pushy. Yeah, he's pushy. He's totally. <laughs> Maybe we don't want to go to Alaska with you. Yeah, yeah dude, you got to go see ghosts and stuff. And I don't want bears and moose and all that other <laughs> stuff. I tell you what, we had this guy's, the, the students all bring like the game stuff that they eat. Sure. You know, because they all hunt and kill, whatever. Yeah. I had moose pastrami. Oh, that was good. to die for. Oh. It was so good. And then beer jerky and all kinds of stuff. Those guys know how to make, uh, you know, how to cook. And, yeah. and so they'll all bring it. I was thinking. Stop turning me on, Frank. I know, right? <laughs> I'm thinking, I was telling Mark, maybe for the anniversary shoot, if we can get you guys to come up or something, uh, maybe it's after hunting season starts because hunting season for them is uh, August into September. Sure. Maybe when one of them whacks something, we can bring it to the lodge and we'll have like a game dinner. And have the lodge cook it up. Mm-hmm. I think that'll be kind of neat and have a party with like somebody's bear or moose or caribou or whatever the hell. Yeah. They shoot all that stuff. Yeah, man. I'm but, all about that life. Yeah, yeah. It's cool <laughs> up there. And it's nice. It's a, good, it's a good deal. It's all self-good. There was a picture on Facebook yesterday. A guy landed his, pri- his little Cessna, big bush tires, in the parking lot at the Sheep Creek Lodge. He landed his friggin' Piper or whatever the hell it is and uh, then took off after he had lunch. So he landed his plane on the street, drove it into the lodge, (laughs) went in and ate, and then got in his plane, got out and took off on the highway and flew up and left. That's That's cowboy, man. Yeah, man, that's hardcore. It's not like that around us. (laughs) No, no, none of us, man. Nobody's landing planes on the... It's a different world. Not in Milwaukee. Mm -mm. (laughs) So yeah, no, this would be good. Tomorrow's the the, the final, the closeout. We'll, we'll, uh, tomorrow's uh, the the wrap up for King of Two Mile. Yeah. The top ten guys, somebody will be crowned the King of Two Mile. Now they may not hit the two mile, but someone will be crowned the winner of the King of Two Mile. Whether or not they make it to two mile, 
will be a function of the conditions in their their team. It's mm-hmm. le- the target, from what I hear, the target is legitimately two miles this time. What was it off last year? I think it, I think someone said it was a few a few yards short last year and the year before, and this year they yes. got it to a point. Okay, yes, you're because right. because now they're moving they're moving from the, the line. low side you to the high that. side. Yeah, yeah. Now the, it's going to be the line's going to go to the other end. Yep. And then we're going to shoot crossways, yep. I guess. Okay. Which will be interesting because now it's going to be more into that open valley below. Yeah. Right. So it'll be interesting to see what the heat and the temperature and the thermals do yep. with that much open field. Because right now we're at the edge and it's sort of unimproved because we're shooting off the edge of the, of the manicured range. But now they're going to shoot across the entire manicured yep. tub range. Yep. And, and that'll, that'll have an impact. Mm-hmm. Plus, it's, I mean, just the vertical drop itself is, they're going to be yeah. shooting through some air. <laughs> yes, a lot of air, man. The, the, these things are probably, yeah, at the two-mile target, they're probably almost a 1,000 feet above the line of sight. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's usually more, isn't it? Uh, far, it depends on how far. 38 might be 15 to 8, 1,200 to 8, 1,500 yards, depending on the cow. But they're going to at least be about a 1,000 feet above line of sight, yeah. which is crazy. When yeah, you think about where it's going, nuts. the thermals, the yeah. winds, what's coming over the top. There's the um the fire just over the border in Colorado. Is that creating weird wind patterns? Yeah, yeah. And then when it comes over the top of the cliff, it creates another wind pattern. Right. And when you're hanging around that high in the air, man, yeah, it just be, a final yeah a final push. No, but thanks to uh, Steve and Dylan for coming on the Everyday Sniper podcast. I'm going to try to, like I said, knock out another one with, with Paul Phillips. I, I talked to him a little earlier, try to get him in here and talk about it. But uh, this is awesome, man. I'm, I'm glad to see you guys down here and getting some footage and getting your, your feet, you know, both your feet in with all the industry people. That's some good stuff. Always a pleasure, Frank. Yeah, yeah. You guys are you guys are awesome. Were you nicer when you ran into Paul Phillips than me? Because, like, I was walking along the line of shooters, and all of a sudden somebody's kicking rocks at me. I turn and look, and there's Frank. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, hey, man. <laughs> I tried throwing rocks at Dylan, but I missed. Because I had my hands full. Windage. I had my coffee it's and my that, camera. It's that Rattan windage. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I threw rocks at Dylan. I'm like, fuck, I missed. So then when Steve walked by, I just decided to kick the rocks. And that worked better because it, it was did. a lot lower, you know, a lot yes. closer to the ground. You're and then with you a looked lot down, less. and you were able to see me. I looked down, and I was like, hey. Yes. Frank, these these guys made up a, a bed for me. What's the weather doing? We'll post it on the post. You're gonna post it. We'll post it. You reshare it so everybody can see it. But yeah, it's, it's like I think I offered. I'm like, dude, we have two full size beds, like this weird cat window thing, and like a dollhouse. <laughs> yeah, we, we can a, put Frank on. Where <laughs> are you? That is this, this is like for real in a room. It's Come legit. See, we got like, a bed. I could sleep on my windowsill because it has a cushion and a and a back. Yeah, a back cushion. It's a thing, man. What hotel did you go to? Right across the, the street at the... Uh, You're missing out. Micro hotel by Wyndham. Everybody we, says this is the place to go. You guys do have a pool. We don't and have a bar this. and a restaurant. Right. There's yeah. no other bars or anything, but there's like a liquor <laughs> store down the road and there's a gas station right next to us. And like, we have like a suite, man. We have a pull-out yeah. couch and like we have three or four places to sleep depending on your size. And your mood. Yeah. The, the, size the, and mood, right? The, right. The view of the back of the gas station is, the gas station is incredible. Nice. That's all I'll say. It's Raton, man. It's, it's, this is high class. <laughs> Yeah. All right, guys, we're going we're gonna to sign off. I appreciate you guys uh, coming in and talking and stuff and taking up some time. This yeah, is, this is yeah. good. Thank you for cool, me. We never quit. There you go. America. America. <laughs> it's America's birthday. America's birthday tomorrow. Yep. National, look at that. We had National UFO Day yesterday. America's birthday tomorrow. It's been a busy week. Well, fucking this is like an Oreo. <laughs> so whoever's the winner tomorrow, are they like the king of America? I believe Ooh, so. We could start anything. 
Yeah. <laughs> they could be emperor. <laughs> nice. Thanks, Frank. Yeah.